awesome. Hey, you can take a seat this morning. So great to see you and I can see you this week. It's great. <laughs> so um, I don't know about you, but whenever I think of Bon Jovi, I think of living on a prayer. It's like the anthem of Bon Jovi. And whenever I think of prayer in the New Testament, I think of the Lord's Prayer. It's Jesus' anthem. Jesus gave us as his followers a prayer to live by daily. This prayer is the cornerstone of his mission, his kingdom revolution. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And more and more of heaven spreads to more and more of earth through Jesus working in you and in me, in us. This prayer is the heart of the gospel message that transforms not just us, but the world around us. Jesus knows that we need to be encouraged, inspired and reminded of this mission and the loving Father who provides our every need as we journey with Him. Why don't you just join me as I pray this morning before we get, before we get into the Word. Thank you, God, that you are our Father. And you love us so much. You are holy. You are truly awesome. And we humble ourselves before you today. Thank you for sending Jesus to restore us to relationship with you. We want to be part of your mission to bring more and more of heaven to more and more of earth, spreading the good news of your love, redemption and provision. God, we love you and help us to love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, I'm just going to uh, do a bit of a refresher on what we spoke about last week. But I'm just going to ask, so throw the prayer up on the screen. And um, we read this together last week and I want us to do it again this week. So let's read it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Wow. So last week we talked about how this prayer is more than stale tradition or strange words, because let's face it, there's some strange words and concepts in that prayer. But it is life-giving, it is life-changing, revolutionary prayer that Jesus intended for us to pray every day. When he says pray like this, he means it. So Jesus is on the mountainside when he is talking to his disciples and crowds gather as he begins to teach on a number of topics, including prayer. And this is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It spans from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. Though this prayer takes less than 30 seconds to read, maybe less than 20 seconds, I think that took us. It is so full of power and it will take us our entire journey with Jesus to unpackage. So it is uh, my hope in this series to inspire you to go away and pray and study and wrestle with these words and the concepts and the heart behind it. And I hope that it not just changes your personal prayer life, uh, but the prayer life of this community. So Jesus covers a lot in this first part of the prayer. 
He is establishing two aspects of God's character. He's redefining who God is to remind the disciples who they were praying to. Now, first of all, he is our Father in heaven who is revealed in the Son, Jesus. In this moment, Jesus is inviting us to share in his identity and in his mission. Second, Jesus encourages us to recognise God as holy, to be feared, not as in scared, but revered. God is holy, he is truly awesome and above all, and we need to acknowledge that every single day of our lives. And following that, Jesus makes this incredible declaration, God's will and our mission for the kingdom of heaven to spread throughout the earth. Heaven and earth are ripped apart in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve declare independence from God and choose to define good and evil for themselves. And God's desire is to bring the two back together and it is accomplished by Jesus. And Jesus passes the mission to us, go out into the world and make disciples, the Great Commission. Spread the good news, be part of this kingdom revolution until Jesus returns one day, once and for all, bringing all of heaven to all of earth. So it's pretty massive stuff, right? And that's just the introduction and the first part. And, and what does it all mean? So how do, how do we do it? What message are we spreading? Jesus goes on to explain it in the rest of the prayer. He returns to the heart of who God is and the heart of the gospel message. A loving Father who provides for our needs physically, spiritually and emotionally. Bread, debt, temptation. You with me? We're good? This is good? Okay. So give us this day our daily bread. This line of request, it, it reorients our relationship with our Father, who we acknowledge as our provider. It also inspires generosity because whatever I have, I can happily share with others, knowing that God will provide for me fresh each day. As I mentioned last week when I was talking about the strange words and the strange concept, I was rather confused as a 13-year-old by this one. I thought perhaps it meant that God had organised to like deliver fresh bread to my door every day or something, but it's not quite, that, that's a very literal translation. Really what Jesus is saying is that like every good parent, God is going to look after us and supply our needs, you know, food, clothing, relationships, community, the things we need every single day. But Jesus is really clever. In referring to daily bread, he's, he's drawing parallels between the Hebrew scriptures that his disciples and most of the people on that mountainside would know, as well as bringing a new teaching. In Exodus 16, as, as Moses led the Israelites out of slavery and into a new land, God provided new manna, what was called manna, for the nation every single day. It was like flaky, wafery stuff that kind of settled on the ground and it somehow tasted like wafer and honey and it sustained them. It was this miraculous stuff. And God instructed them to only collect what they needed for that day as he promised to provide fresh 
every single day and he did. So Jesus is saying that we're a bit like the Israelites, we're stuck between two worlds. Heaven has not yet taken over all of earth and we are waiting for that day. In the meantime, God wants us to rely on him for everything, every day. So Jesus is encouraging us to shift our thinking and wants to revolutionise our hearts. Our basics are not earned, they are a gift from God. While God wants us to work hard and, and says, you know, hard work is good for us, he does not want us to rely on ourselves. You know, self-sufficiency has become an idol in and of itself and God didn't design for us to live that way. When Jesus owns it in the first place, this completely changes my view of my stuff. You know, when I was talking about giving a few weeks ago, I, uh, I mentioned that over time God has changed my heart and I no longer see my stuff as mine. It's his. So I'm grateful for what I have and it's not difficult to do things like tithe and give some of my finances back to him nor is it difficult to share what I have with others because I know my God is a generous and abundant father and I know he's not going to run out of stuff and he's not going to run out on me. Jesus reminds us that when we are part of his kingdom revolution, God is going to take care of our everyday needs every single day. And we need to remind ourselves of this. Repeat after me every single day. Isn't that incredible? The next line, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This one's a biggie. This one's a biggie. Who here has debt? I'm, my hand is up. There are different, <laughs> And some of, it, some of it's good, some of it's healthy, some of it's a car we know we can pay off, as Cody said, some of it's a house that we know we can pay off, some of it may not be healthy and we're, and we're working towards fixing that. But, you know, there are different kinds of debt, but I think that's pretty much all of us or it has been us at some point in our lives. Um, it can be frustrating, it can be stressful, it can be overwhelming at times. But the kind of debt Jesus is referring to is a whole lot more than that. It is a hostage-taking, life-threatening deal. See, um, at the time Jesus walked the earth, the Rome, Roman Empire ruled in the region and their jails were not full of criminals. They were full of debtors, so people who couldn't pay their debts. This put pressure on the families uh, of the prisoners they worked to the bone until they could pay off the debt so that their family member could be freed. Debt meant severe pain and tragedy for the debtors and their families. So this is incredible news for us. Jesus comes to earth and dies on the cross to cancel the debt we owe God. You know, our debt is our sin. Our sin, the right to define good and evil for ourselves. Our sin is what separates us from God because he is holy and pure. And this is grace right here, the heart of the gospel message. When we didn't deserve it, Jesus came and took all of it. So now we can approach the Father in heaven 
ask for forgiveness and ask for strength to start afresh. Our sin is dead and gone and we sing hallelujah. Our sin is dead and gone. But Jesus goes a step further, doesn't he? Makes it really hard. As we forgive our debtors. In other words, as we forgive those who sin against us. And you know, it must be really important because Jesus returns to the topic at the end of the prayer. So in verse 14, it says, And when you pray, this is Jesus talking, And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. Ooh, double whammy. These are the, the parts of the bar where you want to go, mm, that, that doesn't exist. That's not there. <laughs> so, no, so not only must we forgive others, God won't forgive us if we refuse to forgive others. The command to love one another is not just tied up in generosity with our stuff. Part of it is also forgiving each other. Jesus doesn't say if it's hard or if you struggle or if it takes you a while. That's okay. He says if you refuse. But the number one sign that Jesus' grace has sunk down deep and it's ingrained itself in our hearts and is a reality in our everyday lives is our ability to ask for forgiveness from God and release forgiveness to others. And this issue creeps into our everyday lives. I don't know about you, but it certainly does for me. It creeps in every day. So that's why Jesus encourages us to bring it before the Father every single day. That's why it's a part of this prayer. You okay with me? Okay, this is the last one. This is the last one. And do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. And we thought things would get easier and Jesus would wrap this up on a really nice note, huh? <laughs> He's, he, this prayer packs a punch. I really see this line as Jesus saying, our Father is with us. He loves us so much that he will never abandon us. No matter what comes our way, He will deliver us through the other side. And this is great news. But again, my 13-year-old self struggled with this line. Like, is God leading me and luring me into temptations and traps? No. James is very clear on this. James uh, and, and uh, James chapter 1 verse 13 in the Amplified, it says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For temptation does not originate from God, but from our own flaws. For God cannot be tempted by what is evil, and he himself tempts no one. So it doesn't, the temptation to sin doesn't come from God. God doesn't tempt me to sin or cause me to sin. As humans, we're tempted. We sin every day. But I tend to agree with the school of thought that says the meaning of temptation has other connotations beyond just temptation to sin. It's more like a test. 
especially as we've seen here in James, God doesn't tempt people to sin, but he does lead people into tests. Jesus was led into two tests. First in the wilderness, where he is tempted by the devil before he starts his kingdom mission. And second in the garden of Gethsemane before he is handed over to be crucified. And you know what? Jesus doesn't play down temptation. This is where his humanness comes into play. He's not afraid to be human. In the wilderness, he was hungry after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was horrible. It says says at the end of the temptation, angels had to come and and rescue him and look after him because he was was falling apart. And in the garden, Jesus says, take this cup from me, God. In other words, I don't want to do this. I hate this. I, I don't want to die. We are allowed to tell God that we are unhappy. Don't lead me into this temptation. I don't want to do this. This is hard. I've done it. Hey, I spent a good few days this week being rather grumpy and telling God, I don't want my life to look like this right now. Totally, we've all been there. But, there's a but. Thank God for the but. But deliver us from the evil one. This here is the moment of surrender. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through this. And just as you led me in, God, I trust you to deliver me and lead me out again. The devil isn't going to win. The devil isn't going to win. And Jesus had this moment in the garden. He says, but not my will be done, but yours. Jesus surrenders and trusts God to lead him through. And that leads to our salvation. How incredible. And you know what? I think the presence of Jesus in our lives, complete surrender to our King and dependence on him is the ultimate purpose and the prize of a test. There is nothing more attractive than someone who walks with Jesus. You can just tell, can't you? Paul refers to it as a sweet-smelling aroma. (laughs) It is hard one and it's also attractive. As David writes in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, though I walk Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Joel, can I get you up now? Thanks. So, so so what could this prayer look like in your prayer life, in my prayer life? What could it look like? Maybe something like this. We prayed the first half of the prayer sort of at the beginnings and I'm just going to pray the rest of it over us. So why don't you just close your eyes and uh, just let these words wash over you. God, you are our Father and like a good parent, you want to provide for us. God, we trust you to supply our needs every single day. Change our hearts. We don't want to rely on ourselves. We want to rely on you. Everything we have is a gift from you. Everything belongs to you. Help us to be generous with everything we have over and above the basics. 
Thank You, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us so that there is no debt, no sin, nothing separating us from God anymore. Give us strength to ask for forgiveness, receive it and release it to others. We give up our rights to retaliate and instead give forgiveness just as You have forgiven us. And finally, help us when we're tested. You are our shepherd and we trust You to lead us in every area of our lives, including through a test. And our Father God, we trust You to deliver us out the other side. As we walk through this test, Holy Spirit, give us strength to rely on You and draw us closer to You. You are so mighty and so glorious and so worthy of all our praise, God. Amen. Amen. You can look this way. So it might be how you can pick it apart and pray it. You could start by just memorising the prayer. That'd be, that'd be awesome. So it's just in the back of your mind. You could sit down and pray in the morning and, and pick it apart and study it. Go for it. But you know, the best news about this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, is Jesus intended it for everyone. Jesus wants you and me to be part of this kingdom. He wants to grant you access to our Father God, he will provide your every physical need, spiritual need and emotional need. This kingdom is made of individuals and God deeply loves and cares and has a special plan for every single one of us. If you're tired of making it on your own, I can tell you what you need. It's a person and his name is Jesus. If you want to have a restored relationship with your Father in heaven, Acknowledging Jesus as your Lord and your Saviour is the way to do it. All we do is say a prayer to start this relationship. Sometimes we say this prayer and then we get distracted. and We forget about how much God loves us and the purpose Jesus has given us. So if that's you today and you want to return to relationship with God, I also invite you to pray this prayer from your heart. Let's close our eyes again. Thank you, Father. We are going to pray this prayer all together. But um, just so I know who I'm praying for this morning, while everyone's not looking, can I ask uh, you to lift your hand if you're praying this prayer for the first time or perhaps if you're returning to relationship with God today. If, if that's you, can you just lift your hand up so I can see? Awesome. Let's, as we keep our eyes closed, let's look away to God and let's pray this together. You can repeat after me, church. God, thank You that You love me so much. You sent Your Son, Jesus, to die in my place so that I can be made right with You. I'm sorry for trying to live life my own way. I stop that now and I turn to You. You are my Lord and my Saviour and my friend. Thank You for forgiving me and loving me. In Jesus' Name, 
Amen. Amen. You can look this way. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I encourage you to come down the front after the service has finished and let either Brendan or I know that you've prayed that prayer and we can help you on your journey with God. This morning, um, as we come to the end of this series, I just want to give us an opportunity to respond. In a moment, I'm going to open up this altar for prayer and for ministry, for time to just encounter God. It's really hard to surrender, isn't it? And to help and ask God to help us, whether it's in our everyday physical needs or help with receiving forgiveness or releasing forgiveness or even help through a test. God doesn't want us to do it alone. He didn't design us to be self-sufficient, but to rely on Him. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. So if something in this prayer has knocked on your heart this morning, if you're going through one of these struggles, uh, in a moment I invite you to come up here on this altar and just have a moment with God and encounter God and, and let someone pray for you. So why don't we do that? Why don't we do that? And, and, and if you're not up here on this altar, I invite you just to look away to God. Think about this prayer or perhaps someone you're praying for or reach out your hand. So why don't we stand as we do this? Why don't we stand, church, and we look away to God? Thank you. And if that's you, I invite you to come up here now. The team and I will pray for you. If that's you, just want a touch from God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.